KPCRLP 101.9 FM, Santa Cruz. So what are you going to do with that? We're joined today by Dr. Justin Cummings for the second part of our conversation. He is running for 3rd District County Supervisor in Santa Cruz, California. This is not an endorsement of any candidate. This is an opportunity to hear some of Dr. Cummings' ideas and to allow him to introduce himself to those who are interested in his agenda and the uh, future of the County of Santa Cruz, of the United States of America. Thank you for joining us. So what are you going to do with that? From 2013 to 2015, Justin worked as a postdoctoral researcher at Florida International University, where his work focused on understanding how changes in climate influence the uptake and release of carbon in the Everglades. In 2015, he returned to Santa Cruz to help co-create and serve as the founding program director of the UCSC Doris Duke Conservation Scholars Program, which seeks to grow diverse leadership to strengthen conservation. After being sworn in as mayor in December of 2019, Justin stepped down from his position with the UCSC DDCSP to work as an environmental sensor technician and drone operator for the UC Natural Reserve System California Heartbeat Initiative. In this role, he helped to conduct drone surveys of ecologically protected and sensitive areas across the state of California. In addition to this work, he helped coordinate Drone Camp 2021 and also was the team lead for a 2021 UC NRS post-fire survey team that assessed the damage and regeneration of selected ecosystems from the 2020 fires. During this time, he also helped create and is the associate director of the UCSC Citrus Initiative for Drone Education and Research, which brings together diverse students, researchers, and industry partners to fuel research and innovation and develop a diverse drone workforce. After being one of the highest signature gatherers to place rent control on the ballot in 2018, Justin decided to run for Santa Cruz City Council in 2018 and was the highest vote recipient. Justin served as vice mayor in 2019 and the mayor of the city of Santa Cruz in 2020, one of the most difficult and challenging years in the recent history of the city. He is currently a city council member. Justin was one of two African-American men elected for the first time to the city council in 2018 and was the first African-American to serve as the mayor of the city of Santa Cruz. During his time on the city council, Justin has worked towards building consensus on the council within the community to help move the community forward in a positive and productive way. During his time on the council, Justin has served on dozens of committees, ad hoc subcommittees, and commissions that address the topics such as the city budget, city revenue, land use, environmental protection, and climate change, cannabis, UCSC growth, homelessness, public safety, city schools, COVID-19 recovery, clean energy, public health, and the library. He has also submitted and passed resolutions and policies with the majority of his colleagues in an attempt to build consensus. The policies that he has helped champion have focused on supporting diversity, equity, justice, inclusion, affordable housing, tenant protections, and programs that assist individuals experiencing homelessness. Addressing accountability and transparency in the use of policing, environmental protection, public health, supporting unions, and small businesses, among many other topics. As a mayor of Santa Cruz in 2020, 
He worked with community members and leaders across a variety of social, business, and government sectors to bring the community together as we confronted the many challenges faced in 2020. This included the graduate student protests at UC. SC, the recall election, the onset of COVID-19, social unrest after the murder of George Floyd, the CZU fires, and the 2020 elections. As 3rd District County Supervisor, Justin is interested in prioritizing the following issues. Environmental protection and carbon emission reduction, creating and supporting effective programs and services that provide public health, justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion sustainable land use planning and affordable housing production, rebuilding and sustaining our community and economy due to the COVID-19 pandemic, strengthening disaster preparedness, resiliency, and the recovery from climate change impacts. So what are you going to do with that? Well, we all care about our health. The number one thing you need to be healthy is a healthy environment. Flint, Michigan is a great example. Yes, black community, no safe drinking water. To this day, they still haven't fixed the problem. And now people are having to use bottled water for everything. And that's because they don't have access to healthy, safe drinking water. Historically, when we think about environmental pollution, the work that's gone into environmental conservation and environmental justice was spearheaded by black communities where they have been dumping toxic waste. People understand when they're not healthy, when their children aren't healthy, it's because of the fact that they live in a polluted environment that has been intentionally created by systems of oppression. People understand that we want to be in a healthy place. Part of that is taking care of our environment. Historically, I think part of the issue is when you live in communities where you're not represented, oftentimes your voice continuously goes unheard and then people give up. They stop complaining because they think there's nothing they can do. And that's exactly why representation is important in local government. Those people who are being most negatively impacted need to have a voice at the table. And that's something that that I hope to bring to the County Board of Supervisors. You're also a skateboarder? I grew up skating. I haven't done it in a long time, but I grew up skating. I also grew up playing soccer. I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's been a while since I've been in there, since before the pandemic. I trained kickboxing as well. Absolutely incredible. Actually, Santa Cruz, as far as diversity, how diverse is Santa Cruz? It's not very diverse. I think the university brings a lot. Black people make up 1.6% of the city's population. 1.6%. Have you found that to be, with your work, with the people as um, in the community, uh, as, as a politician, as a community activist and leader, think that people listen to you more or less, or is there a certain way you have to present your ideas to people? To help them, sometimes some people, have you have to help them get past what they see with their eyes. I think sometimes we have to have kind of difficult conversations to help people understand what does Black Lives Matter mean? What does diversity, equity, inclusion mean? Like really mean? I think there's still people in this town who just throw those words around as buzzwords. It's like, no, you have to be intentional. If you say Black Lives Matter and you support your Black community, well, you need to support the Black leaders. You need to donate to Black causes. You need to go volunteer for them. You need to have them on your board. Like you have to be intentional around that. And I think that right now, that is where the black community has been putting a lot of emphasis and where we've been really pushing. And I think that at the same time, there's a level of education because there are numerous people who walk around and they're white passing, but they call themselves people of color. I think that you can come from an underrepresented background. I think that we really need to be comfortable and get more comfortable with, with really embracing people of color being in positions of leadership and relinquishing their power, their authority, their position in order to uplift people who've been historically excluded. And also when it comes to 
recruitment, hiring, you really have to be intentional. And that's something that I don't think people understand as well. I think oftentimes people are thinking, I'm not racist. It's like, that might be the case, but look at, look at your business. Look at what the structure is. Where are the people of color? Exactly. And like, are they just at the bottom and staying on the bottom or are they in positions of leadership? And what are you intentionally doing to connect with those communities, to bring those people in? And I think that like right now we're going to, the city's going to have a job fair and I get that the city is going to be trying to get the word out, but it's okay. What organizations of color have you been targeting specifically? for those job fairs. And that's the thing. Oh, we're going to get the word out for them too. It's like, no, but you really need to go to them and specifically encourage them to apply for that program or apply for those jobs. I think outreach is important because I think personally, sometimes you, you may not walk into a door because you think that door is locked or you may Mm -hmm. or that room that you you may, you may walk into is just going to be a dark, cold place. And, uh, and for someone to reach out to you and say, I'm reaching for you to come join us and contribute. We want you to be a part of it. We want to learn from you and as well as you learn from us. And we want your, your experience, your life to be, an attribute to our company, to our organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the Black Lives Matter signs in the yard, and, and, and you see like those protests and things like that. But I'd say, I tell people at the time, I'd say it's easy, it's easy to say that until you're tested. Mm-hmm. Here, you're not tested. You're not really tested with till even something as simple as your son or daughter bringing someone of color home for for dinner. Your company, mm-hmm. uh, like your company, in a pretty much predominantly white area, but uh, hey, does, uh, your company actually. Now there's a there's a, a person of color applying for a job, and then maybe some things may come up that you may not realize. I think a lot of people, basically how we've been raised in this country and all the things that have happened in this country, and, and we're, heal, we're healing those. We're really working hard to heal them. Some many of us are, but there's still there's still places where uh, I think some people may not realize they have they have even myself. I find, I find that all the lives I have makes uh, me say some bigotry about, but I do, and I'm a human being. And then I go, so what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Am I going to accept it and be, be like, okay, I can be like this, or am I going to go explore that and think about it and try to change that, or and not try to change it and understand why I feel that, where it's coming from? It's easy to say Black Lives Matter until you test it. Things are changing. They always do. And you were saying about people being able to accept that there's a person who does not look like you, who may be qualified for, for the position they're doing. They may have more education and experience than you, but their skin color is, is the least of it. How do you want people to listen to your ideas and, and recognize your, your journey, your experience, your education, and your intentions, but get beyond the, the, the elephant in the room, shall we say, or okay. pants in the room, I don't know. <laughs> how, do you get beyond that? how do you get past that? And work with me and work with me and work with us so we can build the, a better society and, and really and truly, really and truly strive for that thing called America, that dream called America, that idea called America, that experiment, make it better and keep improving it as a, as a living thing. As opposed to going backwards and as opposed to, just say, for instance, like uh, the, the professor who encouraged you to go into the field that you went into. What if that never happened? What if the idea of sparking something in a, a young person that is going to be beneficial to us all? So like what you're doing and things you've done is helping everybody, not, not even just in Santa Cruz. The first part of making change is showing up. The second part of making change is showing up often. I feel like personally, even when I was on the city council, I've spent my first few meetings really just sitting and listening and observing process, how people ask questions, how you make motions, how you can be effective. And so it really just sat and observed and was the person in the room who was really listening. At, over time, starting to speak up on those issues because then I can understand how to formulate my argument. It takes a lot of failure, too. You come out and you try to oppose an argument and you get kind of outwitted, so to say. Yes. 
Yes. But you, but you have to, be to keep trying. <laughs> yeah, but you have to try. The other thing, too, is having a mentor and somebody who's going to give you the confidence that you need so that you're right. able to be effective and that, that person who's going to encourage you. Yeah, you failed this time, but let's, let's keep going, keep pushing ahead. That's why I think that, especially in a community like Santa Cruz, we've now seen a number of black organizations kind of form themselves and come up and establish themselves. And I think a big part of that is creating those groups that can really help motivate one another. There's a group called Black Girl Magic. There's a group called the Black Kings of Santa Cruz County. There's this group called Santa Cruz Blacks. And that really happened in 2020. I think Black Girl Magic had been around for a little bit. There's been a, a resurgence and a kind of, I wouldn't say renaissance, but an increase in the amount of, of black organizations that are really being intentional about making sure that people are aware that we're here and that we exist and that we are a part of this community. 100 years from now, we'll say, if somebody opens up a book and they see Dr. Justin Cummings, what would you like for them to be reading about your life, your contributions to this country, this society, to people? That's a big question. I, first and foremost, I just want people to see that I never let anything hold me back from my dreams. People shouldn't be afraid to do what they want to do, and people shouldn't live up to the stereotypes. The best thing you can do is try to do something new, regardless of how scary it is. Don't ever be afraid to get outside your comfort zone. That's how we make the biggest impact, right, is by doing the things we were told not to do, to some degree. Being healthy and trying to maintain your health, sure, that we got to do that. But when people say, black people don't skate, well, I'm going to go skate. Nonsense. Black people don't yeah. care about the environment. Yes, we do. And I'm going to go work in that, that field. And so there's, that, there's a lot of stereotypes that we are prescribed and people expect us to live up to those stereotypes. And the best thing that we can do is, is to be who we want to be and not be constrained to how society thinks we should be. I really like that idea. And so that, how do you, racism and uh, poverty wear you down and that, that, that leaves you a little time to explore yourself and think about yourself and maybe even yeah, people, 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 uh, how do we, how do we allow people the space to develop a world where I don't, there's no question about, about, uh, or no, no curiosity about, say, for instance, if I, uh, if I go into a field that's not traditionally or traditionally where we, mm -hmm. you see, we're represented and, um, mm -hmm. but how, how, how does one get to that place to where they, um, they have overcome the, the, all the, all the baggage from the, from, from Everything that, that say, for instance, the bike we've gone through in the last close to pushing 500 years is still going through. What motivations and drive? How would you give someone encouragement? I've given a, a lot of talks at schools, and we've had many conversations around racism and what is racism, and really trying to get students to identify that. In addition to that, providing anyone, whether it's educational system or its professions or what have you, but really creating those networks of mentors and support that people need to feel like somebody is there for them when they need them. Oftentimes, kids are experiencing something. Maybe it's instigated by their teachers, right? Correct. Uh, maybe if you're, in a, you're working for someone or an agency and you're experiencing racism by your peers or your boss, the important thing to do is have networks and people who are available so that when something happens, you have a community to lean on and people to lean on. 
and people to go to who can give you advice. That's something we really need to do better with. And like I said before, Santa Cruz is doing a, a much better job. Since I've been here, there's always been these jokes of, oh, there's no black people in Santa Cruz. You know, oh, you're like one of two black people in Santa Cruz. And I think for a while, a lot of us felt that way because there was no space, right, for us to go to. And now there are all these, now that the black community is really coming back together after the murder of George Floyd, it's like we are seen in this community, right? And we are going to start holding people accountable and businesses accountable because for all these people who say they're our allies, it's like, hey, if this business is behaving in this way, like, we're not supporting them. We encourage you not to support them if you really, truly care about this cause. And that's the same thing with schools. Like, if there are black students in schools who are feeling like they're getting treated a certain way, it's up to us on the outside. Like, I don't have kids, but I'd be more than happy to go to the administration and tell them about what's going on and hold them accountable to make sure that that changes. You don't necessarily have to be a black person to be there for black people or to fight racism, right? Because there are, like, most of the most of my instructors in life and mentors have been white. I've had, you know, a couple people of color who have been men, like mentors in the sense professors I've worked with or people I've worked with. And they've been great. They were, you know, they're people who inspired me to be who I am today. And so what's really critical is making sure you're finding the people in your spaces who can be that ally for you. We were trying to change society and, be, and make it inclusive and maybe help people understand that some people, I think, actually have the idea that, oh, the blacks are going to take over and do all these things. But no, that is not, it's not adversarial. It's, 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 a, it's a collective to not. So some people, unfortunately, they, they, they're, they're threatened. They're threatened by it. And how do you approach that without making and, and it makes people put, put that put people at ease as I've gotten older? I, I find that I don't. I, I get tired of having to compensate for somebody else's racism and try to make, make them at ease. When actually, it should be the other way around. You should be making sure I'm at, I'm okay. I'm at ease. I'm the one who should be uncomfortable. When you walk through these spaces in this world and all the things that you're trying to accomplish as a citizen, regardless of of your ethnicity, you, when you walk with somebody, this person does not see me, and, and maybe they don't want to, or just maybe they don't don't know how to. But how to to how can we approach people and and bring them into the fold of inclusivity and helping them understand that this is not just about it's about all of us a good example was after the murder of george floyd and there was a lot of social unrest here in santa cruz i went yeah i went and worked with the police chief and helped bring the black community together and really started working on what are the problems and how can we change them but before all that i think the number one thing you have to do is break past stereotypes and go talk to people who you would never normally talk to right okay. For example, earlier last year or earlier this year, the Republican Women's Association had a dinner and there's a gentleman here in this town who I'm friends with and he is a Republican and he was like, hey man, I want you to come to this this event. I was like going in there, I'm like, okay, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I'm gonna go do this. Because what happens is that you have people who don't expect you to be there. And now all of a sudden you're there. And you get to talk directly with individuals. So rather than having somebody who's saying, like, these people are doing this and these people are doing this, and they don't have any connection with anybody who, like, is black or is Latino or what have you, it, like, you can be sitting there in the room and be like, hey, man, like, you want to go outside and I can talk to you personally about this? And, so, and that's the way you start breaking down stereotypes, right? Like, we had a really great police chief here in Santa Cruz. We have one now who... It's also a really good police chief, but I got to really work with our previous chief, and we 
I sat down with him, was just like, I'm actually sitting in front of the police chief right now. This is really weird. But then we started talking. We, you know, we have more in common. We cared about the same things. And, you know, there were even things that we, that maybe he didn't, you know, agree with me on initially, but we were able to communicate with one another and understand where we were coming from. And he was able to come around and the police department was able to come around to some of those uh, issues. One example is we banned facial recognition technology here in Santa Cruz when I was mayor. Big reason why we, and we didn't, we weren't using it, but just the fact that they're really starting to use this for, for law enforcement now. And then yes. we come to find out that it's misidentifying black people overwhelmingly and significantly more than white people. That's a problem, right? Because yes. that means we're going to perpetuate some of the things in the past that used to happen where people are, you know, being wrongfully incarcerated for crimes they didn't commit. And, you know, we have this technology that's saying, oh, but we've used this new technology, and they've said that this person is the, the criminal when they're actually not. Initially, the police chief was, gave some pushback, but then we were like, no, like, even if it's sex trafficking or what have you, you can be misidentifying people with this technology. And it's yes. just like, you can't, you can't say, like, we will use it for this, but we won't use it for this. It's like, it's the same technology, and there's the same potential to misidentify people, regardless of if it's you know, somebody who had, who was stabbing someone on the street or if it's somebody who's being sex trafficked. So that's, at essence, is the number one thing that needs to happen, right? It's that we need to, the people who are most at odds with one another need to sit down together. And sometimes you're not going to get them. You definitely won't get the most strongest opinionated. Um, but you can probably get some of those people who are sitting on the sidelines, listening, formulating their opinions, and being able to, like, appeal to them and, and get them to understand and humanize who you are. Okay. Well, I, don't know, I would like to ask you, when I walk into that voting booth and I make that decision about who I'm going to vote for, tell me once again why I should choose you. Well, again, Santa Cruz prides itself on, on diversity. Uh, they pride themselves on um, their commitment to environmental protection. They pride themselves on you know wanting to support those who are underserved underprivileged we have this mural in our street that says black lives matter and people have those those signs all over the buildings and people in santa cruz also pride themselves on wanting people who are experienced we have an opportunity to elect someone who helped navigate the city through a major time of crisis who's been really effective at passing policies that have little opposition Someone who has a PhD in ecology and evolutionary biology who can really help us as we address our issues around climate. And someone who's willing to work with people, even if they disagree on many other things, on policies that are going to help their community become a better place for everyone. And I'm that person. We but, also talk about inclusion and, you know, making sure that people's voices are heard. Well, as a renter as, and as a scientist, and as a black person, like, we are underrepresented in our local government. And if we say that we want all voices brought to the table, then my voice needs to be the voice to represent those people who have been historically excluded from the conversation. So what are you going to do with that? Dr. Cummings, I want to thank you for your time. I wish you the best on your campaign. And hopefully uh, I'll have the opportunity to speak with you again. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Poison is the wind that blows from the north and south and east.
Take a time.